Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, just wanted to give you a quick update. Uh, you saw some on the announcements a little bit earlier about the uh, building and what's going on with that. Um, next Sunday morning, uh, two big things are going to be happening. First of all, the cafe will be back open. Okay. And I know you all have been starving uh, for like two months now. You know, no donuts, uh, no steak and eggs. Did we have steak and eggs? I yeah, we I mean, that's good. But, uh, you know, so that will be open next Sunday. Also next Sunday, the entire time we're here from 9 to 1, uh, there will be tours uh, of the new preschool area. It will actually open on August the 13th, but there will be an open house next Sunday. The best time to go tour is probably during my sermon. Nothing else going on, so you all can just go at that time and, and tour. Uh, but but the, it will be open the entire time. We, we would love for you to see it. Uh, Mary Adams, our preschool director, uh, uh, things just happened so quickly. We went over there last week and she started tearing up when she walked through the building and saw everything that was going on. So that'll be your opportunity next week to do that. And uh, then a sad word uh, for us today. This is the last Sunday for Caleb and Tara who are moving to Chicago. Uh, Tara will be in law school. Caleb will be working there. Why don't you all stand up uh, for just a second? They've got a duet they want to sing for us. So guys, go ahead. Oh, no. Okay. So how's it feel that the whole church claps that you're leaving? Uh, I mean, but now we're going to, we love you guys. Uh, uh, I'll come up to see the, the Cubs play and things like that and have a place to stay. Because you all don't live far from there, right? Pretty close to the Wrigley Field. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. So thanks for coming. And uh, no, to, yeah, yes, yes. The respect is unbelievable in this place. Hey, take out your Bibles. Turn over to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. We're continuing our series called Just Stop It. And uh, this series goes back and it looks at the very earliest stories in the Bible from Genesis 1 through 11. We see the problems they had back then at the very beginning of time. And what we find out is this. We have the exact same things going on today. That what seems so new and unique back then are the exact same problems that we're dealing with today. And that we just need to stop it. Uh, so we're going to be over in Genesis chapter 11 uh, today. You know, if, if you follow uh, society much, you know, people come along all the time that claim to be God or claim to be Jesus. A uh, very notable person, uh, Sun Young Moon, said that he was the son of God, that Jesus came and failed and they killed him. So God had to do a second try with Sun Young Moon and he came and he was sinless and he succeeded. And as crazy as all that sounds, there had about three million followers uh, that followed him. Uh, one of the craziest today was in National Geographic, if you uh, get that magazine. It was a guy by the name of Henry Christie. Got a picture of him uh, right here in Brazil. Uh, he's claimed to be the reincarnation of Jesus for the last uh, 30 years or so. He's got 330,000 followers. Uh, he's a very eccentric guy. Most of his followers are young college student females. 
bizarre. Uh, when you look at Henry Christie here, uh, here's another picture of him on his estate uh, as he goes through there. 330,000 people follow him as God. Uh, that's a lot of people uh, that are doing that. So you see these and you look at this and you think, hey, you know, what's going on here? You know, how can people fall for this kind of stuff? But in Genesis chapter 11, we see even more disturbing things than that. And that's when, when we as individuals start viewing ourselves as God instead of the Lord as God. So let's look over to Genesis chapter 11 and see what's going on. And the first thing we see is this. We are living in an increasingly self-absorbed society. We are living in an increasingly self-absorbed society. Look down to verse 1. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech, and they moved eastward and found a plain in Shinar, and they settled there. So, uh, you know, last week we left off with the story of Noah. Uh, Noah's come out of the flood. The world's been wiped out. There's just a few people left. And in chapter 9, verse 1, God tells Noah one of the main things he needs to do is to increase in number and fill the earth. That, that one of the things people are supposed to do now are to scatter throughout the earth and populate the planet. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, the exact same command was given to Adam and Eve. So this is kind of the second time God's told this. He told Adam and Eve, you know, fill the earth, subdue it. He told Noah, you need to fill the earth and populate it. And uh, so this was the exact prescription that God gave. They were supposed to be doing that. So that's exactly what's happening. We're told everyone has one language, one speech. They're all children of Noah. So, of course, that would be the, the case. People are, are now starting to populate. It's growing. And they've moved out of that area in Turkey where they're from. Got a picture here right now, a map. They started out in that upper Turkey area around Mount Ararat. They've now traveled down into what we call uh, the Tigris-Euphrates River Valley there in what is today modern Iraq. And so uh, people are beginning to populate the earth. They're beginning to move down. Uh, this is a very fertile area there. They're, they're probably around what is today Mosul, where a lot of the fighting with ISIS uh, has recently taken place. This is that old Babylonian uh, era. And I've got a, a picture here uh, of that river valley. So just a, a really fertile area. And they've moved down into that area, according to our scripture, as they are populating the earth. And the first thing we see when we look into this and we think, okay, what problems are they having? How are they coming, becoming more and more self-absorbed is this. The first thing they do is they begin to substitute things for God. They begin to substitute things for God. Look at verse 3. So they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. So they, they're, they're now wandering through. They've got to this Tigris-Euphrates River Valley. It's very fertile. It's a great place. And they say, hey, why do we keep wandering? Why do we keep scattering? Let's stop and do something. Let's build a city. Let's all stay together. Now, this isn't the first city. There's been other cities. We're told Cain started a city uh, back in, in Genesis uh, uh, chapter 5. And so we see this continuing to go on. But they say, let's not go out any further. Let's stop where we are in this very fertile area. Let's build a city. But then in this city, they said, okay, when we all stay together in this city, let's do something special in it. Let's build a tower that reaches to heaven. 
So that's the interesting thing right there. They are saying they are now going to substitute God for this tower they are building. As a matter of fact, the tower is going to be so impressive and so large, it's going to challenge heaven itself. It's going to reach up to heaven. That's how large they said that this tower is going to be. So they're now thinking instead of following God and following God's ways and doing what God wants, we're going to look at how can we do something that will take the place of God. And what's taking the place of God for them is this tower that they're building. All of their energy, all of their labor, all of their hopes is now going to be placed in this tower uh, that they are building, a tower that's going to reach their toad all the way to heaven. So they are now taking things, this tower, and substituting it for God. Now, we've done that from the very beginning of time, and we continue to do it today. And we could say, well, we substitute all kinds of things for God. We substitute uh, our jobs and money and power and uh, even things like sex and, thing, you know, uh, entertainment. We substitute those things for God, and it's easy to see how we make those things the gods of our life. But it's interesting, the society we live in today has also kind of substituted other things for God. Celebrity has become a God today. There are people that are out there today that are famous for being famous. They, they've done nothing. They've accomplished nothing. And yet they're just famous for being famous. And they make millions of dollars. Now, you know, we've always had people like this. But, you know, it kind of started with Paris Hilton and that and that craze. Uh, and then uh, anybody know who LeVar Ball is? LeVar Ball has done nothing. His son has is, is been drafted by the Los Angeles Lakers. And all he does is make outrageous statements. The other day he said, me and my high school son could beat LeBron James and Michael Jordan in two on two without even trying. And so suddenly that's a big story that's out there. And so you say, okay, well, LeVar Ball, he's just some crazy guy. But we're in a society where celebrity is you're famous for being famous. His son played an AAU game. You couldn't get in because he was going to be there. 800,000 people streamed the game online. 800,000. Because you're famous for being famous. Probably the best example today is the Kardashian family. Anybody here follow the Kardashians? You know, I, I thank you. Yeah, we, you know, we know that you do. You might not admit it, but you've got it pulled up on Facebook right now or Twitter or Instagram or something like that. Well, you know, uh, everybody knows the Kardashian family, but the one I find interesting is one named Kylie Jenner. Kylie Jenner is 19 years old. N 19 years old. Never had a job. Isn't an actress isn't a singer, isn't a model like her sister, has done nothing in life at all and is only 19 and makes $40 million a year. $40 million. Here's a picture of her new house that, that she just bought in Calabasas. 19 years old, has never done anything. And I went through and I just scanned stories about her and there's things like this. Kylie Jenner wore pink hair today. You should see her new earrings. And these are like the front page of magazines and everything. Making $40 million a year. Now, more power to her. You know, that's, that's, if, you, if you can do it, do it. If you can go out there and not do anything and somebody give you $40 million, I'm all for it. You know, as long as you tied 10% to the church, you go do it. You know, that's fine. That's fine. But just famous for being famous. And then we fall into that because we almost worship these people. They have become our gods that we follow. And so they are substituting in our scripture things for God, this tower, and we do the same thing. In verse 4, though, it goes on, and not only are they substituting things for God, they want to be gods themselves. 
Keep reading in verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. So that we may make a name for ourselves. So what they're wanting to do is this tower is going to show how mighty we are. It's going to show how important we are. It's going to show how, how we can do things that even God can't do. That, that this is going to show how great and, and, and wonderful that we are. And so the tower was also a very self-absorbed thing. It was about them. It was saying, we're showing how important we are. We're self-obsessed. And again, today we live in a self-obsessed society where, where we want to be celebrities ourselves and everything we do is about that. Do you know there's 100 million tweets a day? 100 million. And 40% of those tweets, and since I went to public school, I know that that means 40 million tweets. Figure it out. Get out your calculator over here in this section. That's what it is. 40 million people a day tweet Nothing but things about themselves. I'm going to the grocery store. Here's a picture of me on the couch. You know, and 40 million people tweet nothing but things about themselves because we're obsessed with ourselves. We have something today. We, we used to take pictures of people and things that, are, that, that we were seeing on vacation and stuff. What do we take pictures of today? Ourselves. And what do we call it? Selfies. Who here has ever taken a selfie? I have. I look good in them. I got to admit, you know, we're self-obsessed though. Uh, we, we want to be celebrities like everyone else. They wanted to build a tower so it could make a name for themselves. We want to be our, in our own reality show. Did you know that police are starting to catch criminals because they're putting their crimes on Facebook live? Absolutely true. Because we're so obsessed with celebrity and people knowing what we're doing. There's an interesting man by the name of Richard Gobert. And uh, he got in the car the other day and started Facebook live streaming. And he said, uh, you know, the drunk driving is supposed drinking and then driving is supposed to be against the law. What if I'm sober and start drinking in the car and get drunk? Let's see what happens to me. And so he starts drinking in the car and he's getting more and more drunk. And he's, he's telling, he's going through the whole thing. You know, this is my fifth beer or whatever, you know. And he's, he says, uh, uh, you know, uh, my, my address is this. My license number is this. And he goes through the whole thing. Finally gets home, gets out of the car, stumbles out. The police are waiting for him and arrest him. He thought that was a good idea. But it wasn't. So we become self-absorbed and we not only substitute things for God, we want to be gods ourselves. And that brings us to the last thing we see in verse 4. When, all those, when both of those things happen, then we think we know better than God. We think we know better than God. Look at verse 4 again. Read the whole thing together now. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. We will make a name for ourselves Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So we want to build this tower. It's going to substitute for God. It's also going to show how great we are. But the third thing it's going to do is it's going to keep us from being scattered upon the earth. Now, there's one thing these people knew for sure, because it's not very far from it happening. They knew God's express command was to go scatter and populate the earth. That was the express command of God. Every one of them knew it. And yet they say, we know better than God. 
We've substituted things for God, the tower. We've tried to make ourselves God and show how important we are. And now we can make our own decisions. Doesn't matter what God wants. Doesn't matter what God's ways say. We know better than God. This is the original sin in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve got together and the, and the serpent told them, hey, you know, look at the apple. God may have told you you can't eat from the fruit of this tree, but look how good it looks. And it's also going to make your body better because it's good for your health. And not only that, it's going to make you like God. It's the exact same sin. So they're now saying, we're not going to do what God wants. We're going to stay together because we know better than God. God, you know, God was just wrong when he said scatter throughout the world. It's better for us to stay together, pool our resources in this fertile plain that is, is great for growing crops. And therefore, we know better than God. God's just wrong. And we're going to do what we want to do. I had a friend uh, in college uh, that was uh, having an affair with, a, with one of our fellow students who was married at the time. And I remember uh, he grew up in church, went to church every Sunday, and I sat down with him and I said, man, you know what you're doing is wrong. And he, he said, grabbed his Bible and said, show me one place in here what I'm doing is wrong. And I said, well, how about one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery? And he looked at me and said, well, I don't think God really meant that one. Now, how do you argue against that? I don't think God really meant that one. Oh, yeah, you know, he put it in there, but he didn't really mean that one. And so when I kind of mocked him on that, he went back and he said, well, I don't think it applies in every situation because we love each other. And I said, oh, well, then that, then I ought to make it right then. You can do whatever you want. But that's us trying to say we know better than God. We're going to do what we want to do. And it doesn't matter. Uh, because we have become gods ourselves. We've substituted other things for God. Therefore, we can make those decisions. And when we start trying to do those kind of things, when we're trying to outsmart God, it doesn't work very well. It doesn't work very well with nature. We think we're so smart when it comes to the world and, and uh, that we're smarter than God. You know, several years ago, uh, the U.S. Forestry Service decided that the best thing they could do to stop wild, wildfires was to get all the brush out. Because when fires started, man, that brush would take off. And they said, so let's get rid of all the brush. And you know what they found when they got rid of all the brush in the forests? That's what was keeping the fires from spreading because it burned out quickly. And the only thing left to catch on fire were the trees. And when a tree caught on fire, it destroyed everything. Got a picture here of an area that where the brush was removed and you see the fire roaring through it because there's no brush to stop it. They've totally changed now in just a decade and saying, best thing we can do is let that brush grow because it's the best thing. Ever. See, we think we're smarter than God, but we're not. And uh, that's where they were in our scripture passage. So we're living in an increasingly self-absorbed society. And that brings us to the next thing we see in our scripture. When we're left to our own devices, nothing will restrain us. When we're left to our own devices, nothing will restrain us. I remember when Alyssa, my daughter, was like two or three years old or something, really small. And uh, Dawn had gone to uh, the mall in Wheeling, Virginia. She'd gone to the mall in Roanoke. Uh, to, to uh, shop there. And she said, will you watch Alyssa? You know, and I said, oh, that's no problem. Daddy's got that baby girl, you know. And so I started watching a football game. If you've ever watched a football game with me, I don't care if it's a Super Bowl. I'm asleep in 10 minutes, you know. And it doesn't really matter because it stays on for like seven hours and, and you know, just get, get the last five minutes or something like that. And you got it. So I fall asleep. And then I hear the piano being, being banged. Bing. 
And it kind of wakes me up a little bit, and I think, isn't that sweet? Alyssa's playing the piano. And I go back to sleep. She was totally unrestrained on what she wanted to do. Dawn comes home, and she goes, oh, my goodness, what happened to my piano? And I said, what do you mean? She was banging on it with a magic marker over and over again on the piano keys. It only happened because her dad let that girl be totally unrestrained while he was watching a football game. Well, when we are totally unrestrained and left to our own devices, it is not good. Keep reading down to verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that people were building. And the Lord said, if the people speaking the same language, if the people are speaking the same language and they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. Now, when you first hear that, it sounds kind of strange in the modern English because it sounds like this. If I don't stop them, these people can do anything. Nothing will be impossible for them. That word impossible in English, though, is probably best translated restrained, meaning this. If they keep doing what they're doing, nothing's going to restrain them. What this verse is actually saying is this. If they're not stopped, they're going to devolve back to where they were when I had to destroy the world with Noah. They're going to keep going on and making themselves other gods, thinking they're gods themselves, doing anything they want and ignoring my law. And we're going to be right back where we were with Noah when the world was destroyed. Because when you're totally unrestrained and doing whatever you want, everything begins to fall apart. And so God's saying, I've got to stop this downward slide that they're a part of because they can't be left to their own devices. If they're all speaking one language, if they're all going to replace me with other gods, if they're going to become gods themselves and ignore me, then they will be unrestrained. And we're back where we were in the Garden of Eden. We're back where we were with Noah and the flood. It's all started over again. Chaos is going to take place. And we see it today. When people are unrestrained, chaos takes over. When people make other gods and think they can do anything they want, chaos takes over. And we see it over and over again. When you take God out of the equation, chaos follows. Anybody see the story here of the guy who drowned in Florida with the teenagers watching? Just a a tragic, tragic story. These teenagers not only saw a handicapped man drowning in a pool... They put it on Facebook Live with their, with, where you could see them as well laughing and mocking the man while he's drowning. That's what happens when you're totally unrestrained. It means anything goes. You laugh at a handicapped man drowning. You put it on Facebook, and then you think all of that is okay somehow in there because you now say what I think is greater than what God thinks. When we're left to our own devices, nothing will restrain us. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture. God's will is going to be accomplished with or without your help. So God's will was for the people to go out into the world. They weren't going to do that. They were making their own gods. They were gods themselves. They were going to directly disobey and ignore God's law. God's will is going to be done with or without our help. So let's see what happens in our scripture. Keep reading down to verse 7. So God says, come let us come down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And from there, the Lord scattered them over the face 
of the entire earth. Three times in those two verses, we're told God scattered them. What was God's will for them to do? To scatter and fill the earth. They refused to do it. God's will was still done. This is where you had the, the confusion of the languages, we're told, that God came down. They no longer could understand each other. They found others that spoke that language. They went off on their own into their own areas. It's called the Tower of Babel, we're told, because Babel simply means confusion in Hebrew. So it was the Tower of Confusion. They thought it was the tower that showed their intelligence, the tower that showed their might, the tower that showed their power, and it was really just the tower of their confusion. Uh, and the languages were confused that day as well. But God still accomplished what he wanted accomplished, and they scattered and went out. God's will is going to be accomplished. And you can look around today at all of the people that are out there thinking they know better than God, knowing better than God and what we do in our government, better than God and what we do in our schools, better than God and what we do uh, in, in society as a whole and in the things that we believe. But God's will is going to be accomplished. No matter what we think or what we do, uh, as bad as the world may get, God's, world, God's will is still going to be accomplished. And when you look at it, God's will is always going to be higher than the things of the world. Uh, we don't often think that because we live in a culture that glorifies uh, things that God's against. But when you put them up against each other, there's really no comparison from one to the other. So think about the teens in Florida again. Unrestrained, thinking a drowning man is a joke and putting it on Facebook Live. When you see that thing, it hits you and you know that there's just something wrong with it. Uh, you know, that, that there's... There, there, Nobody can hear that story and think that's okay. So when the world is unrestrained, we still, we're, it makes us uncomfortable. But when you hear the opposite, when you hear the things of God, you also know just instinctively that there's something right with that. There was a story about another teenager in Alabama. Uh, this teenager is named uh, uh, Kenneth Bennett. Uh, he's 15 years old. His house burned down in a fire. Uh, last week in Alabama. And after the fire was too far gone, they couldn't save the house. The firefighters, all they could do at that point was to try to contain the fire and keep it from going to other houses. It was hot. It was way up in the 90s. Uh, the firefighters ran out of water. And with his house completely destroyed, Kenneth Bennett drove down to the local convenience store and bought every water bottle they had with his last $40. He'd saved that $40 to take his girlfriend out for their one-year anniversary. Who starts counting anniversaries at 14? I don't know. But uh, he was taking her out for his one-year anniversary, but he spent the $40 on water bottles and came back and gave it to the firefighters uh, that were there. Now, think about this for a second. You hear the story of the Florida teens, and you think instinctively, that's, there's something wrong with that. And then you hear this story and you think, man, there's just something right about that. And what Kenneth Bennett said, hey, man, you know, this is what I've been taught my whole life, that God wants us to care for other people. And that's all I was trying to do. They were caring for me. I was trying to care for them. One of the firefighters took these two pictures and just put it on Facebook. Well, this is a small town in Alabama. So eventually everybody in that town knew what was going on. And they found out he'd spent that money that he was going to take his girlfriend out with. 
So the night he was supposed to take his girlfriend out, a chauffeur-driven limousine pulls up to his house when he comes out with his girlfriend. Uh, They're told that they have a a date for them. They take them out to the nicest restaurant in the area, uh, and they have a great night, and it was paid for by the people in their community who, when they looked at this, just decided there's something right about that. You see, the world's going to tell you a lot of things And it's going to tell you, do whatever you want, think whatever you want, live any way you want. But when we do that, there's always going to be consequences. And the end result, you're always going to say, that's just not quite the way it's supposed to be. But when you see the other side, you begin to think, that is the way it's supposed to be. It's something different. It's something better. It's something higher. You know, we've talked about this before in this series, but God didn't give us his laws and commands to keep us in line and to make us obey. He only gave it to us to show us the best way to live. God's not saying, don't do this or you're a bad person. He's saying, if you do this, your life's going to be less. You're going you're to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt other people. There's a better way to live. And I'm trying to show you the better way. He's not trying to hold you back. He's trying to push you forward. But sometimes all we think is, no, I want it my way. I know better than God. I'm smarter than God. I'm going to make myself God. And when we do that, it's always going to lead to chaos. It's like not following the the instructions on the instruction manual and then worrying, uh, wondering why something went wrong. And it's simply because we're not doing what's the best thing to do. In this series, we've seen a lot of things that we need to stop. Uh, that we're doing today that they were doing back then. But the number one thing that we need to stop is we need to stop making ourselves God and thinking we know better than he does. And we need to start making him God and realizing that he has the best way to live if we would simply follow him. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you put up with us. Uh, Thank you for the direction you give us in our life. We're tempted over and over again to want to do it our way, to think we know best, and it seldom works out for us. Father, help us to realize that you just want us to go the best way for our life, and when we do, it helps us and it helps others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.